Would you like me to seduce you? That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, he walks in a mine. Why is the rum always Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's a trap! Hey guys, welcome to the Celluloid Fiends Podcast. I'm your host, Mo Long. You can follow me at Mitchell C. Long on Twitter and Instagram, and you can read my writing on film and a lot more at cupofmo.com. And as per usual, I have my amazing co-host with me. Hey, what's up, Celluloid Fiends? It's Gabriel Orto. Welcome to the show. If you want to go ahead, give us a like on Facebook. That would be great also. We really appreciate you listening, as always, and we'd also love if you went over to the iTunes store and subscribed and left us a review. So tonight, we are talking about the 1982 horror comedy Creepshow. It is directed by George A. Romero and written by Stephen King. Creepshow is an anthology-style movie consisting of five different shorts, There's Father's Day, which follows an elderly patriarch, Nathan Grantham, who is murdered on Father's Day by his daughter, Bedelia. And Grantham comes back from the dead to wreak havoc upon his family. The lonesome death of Jordy Viral. Viral. I always mispronounce shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we gotta keep Gabe around here. (laughs) He's the only one who knows how to pronounce shit. And that's based on King's short story, Weeds. And finds the titular Jordy portrayed by Stephen King, discovering a meteorite which begins to spread a plant-like growth, devouring anything in its path. Something to Tide You Over features Leslie Nielsen as a wealthy psychopath who tortures his wife and her lover. The crate presents a chilling tale of an 1800s crate from an Arctic expedition with a strange beast inside. And their creeping up on you depicts a cutthroat businessman, up some Pratt in a hermetically sealed apartment. And on either side, there are bookends which feature an abusive father and his son who's reading a comic book. Um, little factoid about the, the bookends. The person that played the child is actually Stephen King's son, who is also famed offer... Joe Hill. I did not realize that. That is a good factoid. And Gabe is probably very familiar with this factoid because this was his pick. Yes, this was my pick. Um, Creepshow was one of the first movies, not first movies, first horror movie I ever saw when I was a young child at my uncle's house in upstate New York. And they, all the adults went to speak in another room, and this came on TV, and I watched it at four years old. Damn. <laughs> four years old is, is a ripe, impressionable age. So, do you credit this film for giving you your love of the horror genre? Um, it definitely takes a little bit of credit for that. I was definitely scared. It's not necessarily a movie I'd recommend for a four-year-old, but I w- it kept me intrigued. 
The storylines were fairly simple and easy to follow. So for a four-year-old, you could understand what's happening. And I really, enjoy, I really enjoy this movie. Matter of fact, I didn't know the name of the movie probably till I was about 10 or 11 years old when my friend pulled it out at a sleepover. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the movie I saw when I was four years old. Okay, so tell, tell us a little bit about your rediscovery of the film. And then you watched it for the first time when you were four, so your kind of perception of this film has obviously changed after subsequent viewings it's just a a film i like i really cherish and i was kind of happy that i rediscovered this film because you know there there, there's a lot of movies that i watched as a kid that i'm sure i'll never see again but this movie is definitely one of my favorites i hold on hold it very dear this and like some of the classics like halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Pumpkinhead were some of the the first horror movies I ever watched. This is certainly a a good starter horror movie. Like you said, it's not for a four year old, but I think what makes it kind of a better entry to the horror genre is the way that it really fuses comedy and horror. And it was darkly comedic, but I feel like some of the darker aspects were a little more subtle. Right. So, I think it could appeal to kind of a younger audience. And it was almost kind of like a, an homage to a lot of those like 50s horror movies and sci-fi movies. And I think that was evident in some of the effects, as well as how there was the, the kind of pulp theme with the comic book... And the diff- the uh, like skeleton showing up in between the different segments on the comic book page. Um, interest. Another interesting fact about me in this movie is that about three four years ago, bless his soul, um, rest in peace, George Romero was at Mad Monster Party in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I saw a ton of people. And a lot of people when they meet George Romero. They're like, oh man, sign my Dawn of the Dead poster, sign my Night of the Living Dead poster. Um, but I was one of the few people who was like, I don't want him to sign anything zombie related. I want him to sign my Creep Show poster. And that's something I hold very dear. It's a very prized possession of mine, especially now since George has passed on. Pouring one out for George A. Romero. Yeah, exactly. Truly a legend. So, did he have any kind of reaction when you pulled out the creep show poster? I'm sure he's seen a lot of them, but he was a very nice guy. He um, he took a picture with me. He asked me like, like I told him that this is one of the first horror movies I ever watched at the age of four. He said, <laughs> "That's a very young age to be watching horror movies." So, besides Creep Show, do you have a favorite George A. Romero film? I think this is my well, besides Creepshow um, I would say Night of the Living Dead a lot of people say Dawn of the Dead I like Night of the Living Dead I would say Dawn of the Dead I do love Night of the Living Dead as well and right after he passed away it did screen, uh, Night of the Living Dead did screen at a local theater here Carolina Theater it was like a free screening so I had the uh, wonderful ability to see that on the big screen for the first time. Uh, that, 
it's it's kind of interesting though how different a lot of George A. Romero's films are because like you were saying people tend to just point at like Night of the Living Dead Dawn of the Dead but this is like very campy oh yeah did you think the humor worked well I thought it worked fairly well especially for the time it worked fairly well yeah, I, I thought... I, I'd agree with fairly well, because I thought it started out at least a little bit uneven. And... I don't want to give away my rating too much, but I thought the first skit was a little... Like, it was a little slow. I didn't really find myself getting into that one as much. The Father's Day one. But then I really enjoyed The Lonesome Death, Something to Tide You Over, and The Crate, especially. The... Last one, They're Creeping Up on You, actually made me a little bit squeamish just because it had all these cockroaches in it. And that I actually thought was probably the most effective, at least from a horror standpoint. The rest I didn't really think. Like, they had horror elements, but they were mostly on the comedic side. And that one, when those bugs showed up, I was bugging out, (laughs) you could say. Like... I like. I'm surprised you didn't really like Father, like Father's Day. Father's Day and the crate are definitely my two favorites. I don't know. Uh, I think. I think what it was was perhaps I just expected it to go on for longer than it did. But I definitely felt like I got into it a little bit more with like the second sketch. I I liked Father's Day. I just didn't like get as into it for some reason. That was actually one that I thought was a little more on the grim side, so I did appreciate that part of it, because I liked some of the darker humor in this. Uh, and I, I thought I thought The Crate, I think, was probably my favorite. Do you have a favorite of the sketches in this? I would have to say Father's Day. Like, the way it ends is so perfect to me. Like, especially just the way it ends. Like, I got my cake... And he comes to the door with the head on the silver platter with candles coming off of it. Um, there's a t-shirt company where I grew up in Rochester, New York, called Fright Rags, and they had a t-shirt of that. <laughs> that was actually the first shirt I ever bought from that company. That's a very unusual shirt to have, too. Like, it, it's an iconic shot, though. Like, there are not many movies with shots like that in them. I think mine would be The Crate, though. I really liked that because I thought uh, Adrian Barbo did a gr- phenomenal job in there. Uh, I liked her really annoying character because in most films that she's in, she's not annoying. Adrian Barbo in a lot of films is a very redeeming character. And for her to play a character that, we, that you're not supposed to like just speaks for her acting ability. Yeah, it really does. And I think she kind of like stole that entire skit with the call, you can call me Belly, everyone else dies. Right. Because like you're by the end of that skit, you're just like rooting for her to get taken out by the beast. And then like her husband constantly having like daydreams that he's murdering her or that she's getting killed in various ways and hatching this incredibly insane plot to have her fed to this beast that's under their stairs. <laughs> That was, uh, that was a unique skit. Um, I also thought, again, getting back to like some of the, juxt- the juxtaposition between the dark elements and the comedy, I thought the 
bookends with the family was actually kind of dark with the child abuse that was going on. Oh, yeah. Um, the father played by Tom Atkins. Yeah, which I was so surprised when he showed up. I was like, holy shit, Tom Atkins. Like, th- this movie and Halloween 3 are like, I, lo- I love Tom Atkins. And... You know, bold statement here, but some days I actually think Halloween 3 is better than the first Halloween. On some days it is. <laughs> On some days it is. <laughs> So if you ask me tomorrow, I might give a different answer, but today I'm in a Halloween 3 is better than the first Halloween mood. I could understand that 100%. And it was kind of crazy to me just the cast that was in this with, like, Tom Atkins and Tom Savini was, like, the garbage one of the garbage men. Leslie Nielsen. Actually, that's a skit I, w- I want to talk a little bit about. Something to tide you over. I was very surprised again when Leslie Nielsen showed up. I probably would have been less surprised had I not seen Prom Night recently. Because when Leslie Nielsen appeared in Prom Night, I was shocked. Because I think I've only ever seen him in comedies. And Prom Night, it was actually a little hard for me to like take his role seriously. But this I appreciated more. I think it was a little more up his acting alley. Because he was able to bring in sort of like a comedic. Right element. But he, he plays crazy very well, too. He does, because he's just so deadpan and straight-laced. Right. So, uh, that was, that might, that's probably my second favorite skit. Um, I thought, I didn't think the ending was as as strong as its beginning, so that's the only reason I think I like the crate better. But I thought the effects in that were really good, and I liked the way that like Leslie Nielsen's character is just dwelling on the closed circuit televisions the whole time. Yeah. He has this like elaborate setup, like lugging cables across the beach so that he can film and record his wife and her lover being drowned by the tide. I very much enjoyed the name of the skit. Something to tide you over. Yeah. It's very dad jokish. And I, I always enjoy something like that. I love... That was my favorite name of any of them for that reason because it's like the ocean tide but also it was kind of like in the middle so it was almost like uh, tiding you over to the next skit. Right. Uh, So that was very clever. I thought the names were generally pretty good and one thing I really wanted to do actually after watching this was read the short story Weeds. I was not familiar with that. I had not read. I have not read the short story Weeds. I'm sure it is very good because Stephen King is one of my favorite authors, and also his son Joe Hill is another one of my favorite authors, who is also in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Two of your favorite authors in the same movie. Yeah. So this movie, do you think it's become a cult hit? I would say so. A lot of people really appreciate Creepshow. So what do you think has helped to give it its cult status, and what is it that you think attracts so many fans? I think one fact is that you got Stephen King and, and Romero teaming up for this film, and which is rare. And you get Stephen King in a role that's more than just a five-second cameo. And I think that the list of actors and actresses 
are phenomenal in this film. And I think it was generally just a good movie to begin with. It is a very good movie. Uh, I, I liked all the plots. It had just like this true ensemble cast. Like every skit, I was like, oh, there's Ed Harris. Uh, it was just a lot of recognizable faces. And I did like the format a lot. Because I think we, we talked about this a little bit with the Warriors about like kind of that comic book format. And this is somewhere where I think that worked incredibly well. And it did. It kept making me think of like those old 50s horror and sci-fi movies. So I like the way it kind of... It was almost like a parody of those as well as paying homage to them. Well, I think what um, they were trying to do with this movie is they were also trying to pay homage to those old Tales of the Crypt... Tales from the Crypt comic books. And I think they did that pretty well, too. This was before the show, obviously. So they were trying to pay tribute to the old comics of horror's past. <laughs> and at that, I think they very much succeeded. Is there anything you think you'd change, though? Like, do you think you would have it be more comedic, less comedic, more horror, less horror? I would make it, um... A little more scary. A little, I'd put a little bit more tension in it. But that's like a small criticism from me at least. Interestingly, I think... So I liked the way it kind of toned down some of the horror elements and concentrated like a little bit more on comedy. I think at times, not as much with the Father's Day uh, segment, but with the kind of bookends giving it some more cohesion that I think I'd be, I, I think I'd do away with like the child abuse because that I thought was like a little too dark I also think because it was like a two hour movie but I almost think I'd make some of the like the individual shorts a little longer even because when the final credits started rolling I actually didn't even realize it had been an hour and a half or two hours I thought it had been like an hour and a half so I think they could have even made it like two and a half. But that hours. is also the sign of a truly good movie, is when the credits start rolling, and it's been two to two and a half hours, and you feel like you've only been watching an hour and an hour and a half. That is the sign of a movie that is truly enjoyable. It really is. So major kudos for that. And there was a sequel. Yes, have there was actually two this? sequels. Okay. I have not seen Creepshow 3, because it is really hard to find, but I have seen Creepshow 2. And Creepshow 2 is a good movie in its own right also, but George Romero and Stephen King did not have anything to do with Creepshow 3. It was just a movie they put out. I think it was direct to VHS or DVD. It was. So, can you talk a little bit about Creepshow 2 and, and what direction that went in? It was pretty much the same direction. Um, shorts... Um, there was Old Chief Woodenhead about uh, an old um, Native American um, like wooden figure outside of a store there was the sludge I think it was called the sludge no the raft it was called the raft about people go swimming in a lake and there's like this sludge that keeps on going across the lake and eating them and then um there's the hitchhiker about a lady who... I think it's a lady. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. 
The lady or guy hits hits a guy um, while driving, and she keeps on seeing him as he or she's driving, and he keeps on asking her for a ride to Dover. <laughs> like he's a hitchhiker. And I think there's a couple other ones, but I can't really think of them right now. It's a little more forgettable than the first one. All of the shorts feel very memorable and unique. And it's the same with Creepshow, too. I just feel like... They're, like it's, it's, it, suffers, it suffers from sequel syndrome, which is... It's good, but it's not as good as the original. Right. It's very rare that sequels surpass the original. Also, reportedly, Creepshow 2 only had three shorts because of budget constraints. So I think that is something that kind of helps. So it's Old Chief Wooden had the raft and the hitchhiker. Yeah. Um, and I think having five in Creepshow just helps it feel that much more distinct. This was... So interestingly, I hadn't really seen that many anthology films before. I think the only other one I watched was Cat's Eye. Um, Trick or Treat, would you count that as an anthology movie? I haven't seen Trick or Treat. You have never seen Trick or Treat? We're going to change this. Ladies and gentlemen, in the next month, I will get Mo to watch Trick or Treat, and I'll I'll make him give you a small review on Trick or Treat. I apologize to the celluloid fiends. That could be a good one to do to do in October. Yes. Okay. So, I'll I'll add that to our running list of films to review. Because Trick or Treat is also another one of my uh, my favorite movies. I got one of the main characters from Trick or Treat tattooed on my chest. All right, it's official. And for that episode, we'll upload. Gabe's chest tattoo as the cover art. Yes, yes. Alright, so with that, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to keep talking about Creepshow. Coming soon. Jolting Tales of Horror. Creepshow. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely Painful, Mr. Verrill. <laughs> Creepshow will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creepshow. The most fun you'll ever have being scared. Hey guys, we're back and we are talking about Creepshow. So, uh, I thought the 
writing in this was really interesting, and I wanted to delve into that a little bit because Stephen King wrote it. So, what else that Stephen King has done a screenplay for or any of his novels do you like the most and the least? I can't. I really don't have a least. I like a lot of his work. Um, some of my favorite Stephen King novels would have to include it and The Running Man. You know, The Running Man is one that I always forget with Stephen King. There are a few others that I forget for Stephen King. The as movie well. was not a good adaptation. I will give it that much. The movie, The Running Man, was not a good adaptation. That's because it was a great adaptation. It was it was a good movie on its own, but it was not a good representation of what the book was. I've never read the book. I did enjoy the movie. It's even a decent a movie. Cheesy. I'll give it that. It's a little cheesy. I like the cheese, and I can see where they went with it. But it's definitely not my favorite Stephen King movie. I think my favorite Stephen King movie would have to be The Shining. Now, which version of The Shining? Because there was actually two. The Kubrick one. The he Kubrick. didn't do the screenplay for it, but like I love that adaptation. And weirdly enough, Stephen King hates that adaptation. And the majority of people who have seen the television version as well as the film prefer the film. But I did talk to one person who enjoyed... The TV version better. That was not Stephen King. And I was baffled. Because I've seen both. The film's far superior. The film is fantastic. I think the TV show had its own quirks about it. But um, the film was phenomenal. No matter what Stephen King thinks. Yes. The TV show seemed more accurate to the text. Which I think was the difference. Right. One that I actually really enjoy. So I love Cat's Eye. I I thought that was a very good anthology film, and I thought it was incredibly cohesive with the cat running through. And also, I just liked all the Stephen King references. Um, but I I fucking love Maximum Overdrive. Oh yeah. It is a terrible film in many regards, but it's phenomenally enjoyable, and. What was it? I think it was the cinematographer or something. Like, lost an eye while it was being filmed. <laughs> and Stephen King was just coked out of his mind while it was being made. It's reportedly a special film. To me, I love Maximum Overdrive. I think it has a certain charm to it. Oh, it absolutely has a charm to it. And, you know, a few scenes were actually kind of ballsy. Like, when the kids all get run over on the baseball field. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the risk they took with that movie. I know some people don't tend to... It's not one of their favorite King films, but I enjoy it. It's just a fun movie. So... I think it's tough to not enjoy it. Like, I, by technical filmmaking aspects, it's not necessarily a great movie, but it's fun. I like it. And one thing I was thinking, though, while we were watching Creepshow was, I don't know who else I can envision, if anyone, writing the screenplay for this. Do you think anyone could 
substitute for King's creative genius? His son. His son. I think Joe Hill could have done it if he if he was that if he was a lot like he's he was alive, but if he was of age to be writing novels like that, I think he could have done it. Um, Dean Koontz. I think Dean Koontz could have done it. Dean Koontz was a little bit more serious, but I think it would have provided us a little darker of a movie. But, yeah. On a similar note, I think Clive Barker could have done a, a pretty good job. I think Also, I think a Clive Barker version would have been a bit darker. It would have been way darker. And, but I think he would have excelled at this because he's done so many short stories and collections that have cohesive threads even though they're not necessarily directly related. So I think he would have kind of tied all of the shorts together really well. His um, his son, Joe Hill, um, I think a couple years ago, he got one of his novels made into a movie. Which novel? It was a novel called Horns. Okay. And the movie starred um, Daniel Radcliffe of Harry Potter fame. Oh. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> Sorry about your dad. <laughs> Not gonna get old. And, you know, while we're talking about Stephen King, I think it would be remiss to discuss films based off of Stephen King works without bringing up the classic and highly revered Lawnmower Man. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you if this is your first time uh, listening to the Celluloid Fiends, you know that we have a strange love for uh, Lawnmower Man, and of course, the great masterpiece, Lord of Illusions. Ah, uh, you know, Scott Bakula's finest piece, even over Quantum Leap, I'm throwing it out there. Mic drop. Mic drop. Although... I do really want an adaptation of Dracula starring Scott Bakula. So we can have Bacu- Scott Bakula as Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> I've been pushing hard for that. If everyone could just go tweet hashtag Scott Bakula as Dracula, I think we can start a movement. Does Scott Bakula have a Twitter account? He does. Everybody, all the celluloid fiends out there, tonight... I want you to go to Scott Bakula's Twitter page and put hashtag Bakula as Dracula. Please. I want to see how far this can go. When the Celluloid Fiend's Twitter account gets banned by Scott Bakula, I think we will know why. <laughs> <laughs> Blocked. <laughs> I, want a, I want a response is what I want. Listen, the guy has a sense of humor. I know this because he was an episode, in an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> so, I, I want to see what we can do with this. I want to see where this goes. I think we could crowdfund this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we're going to have to start a Kickstarter account. I'm already ahead of you. Oh, man. <laughs> we got the Kickstarter going already. It launched last night. So check well, out the Kickstarter. Well, as well. well, here's 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 the premise that I'm proposing for Bakula as Dracula. So what it is is it's Quantum Leap, 
And at the end of the life he saved, he quantum leaps and he's Dracula. Five out of five. I'd watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just, just saying. Cinema gold, ladies and gentlemen. And you know who I'm thinking to do the screenplay? Who? Stephen King. Oh, of course. Because it's very loosely based off of his short story, One More Man. <laughs> I also, getting back to Creepshow. <laughs> yeah, we went on a tangent for a second. <laughs> that was one of her more impressive tangents, too. But I really like the music by John Harrison. Like, I don't know what else he's done, but I really enjoyed it. And I, I thought some of the best moments in this film were actually the effects. Oh, yeah. I was blown away. Because, I mean, this came out in 82, which isn't, like, that long ago, but occasionally you'll see things that came out, even in, like, the late 80s, and they're pretty dated. But this, I thought everything was, for the most part, very convincing. Tom Savini did a lot of the makeup and the creatures, especially the one from uh, The Crate. And everybody knows how great Tom Savini is when it comes to these kind of things. So, for me to sit here and praise him all night long is nothing new. But, especially the creature creature from The Crate, I thought, I just think he did a fantastic job. He really did. And I also thought it was really fun that he got to have a little cameo as one of the garbage men. He has more of a prominent role in the second creep show. So wait, does he reprise his role as one of the garbage men? No. Okay. Interesting. Well, I think he kind of does, but he's like, he's kind of, he's like the creep show, he's like the crypt keeper, not the crypt keeper, but like. Like, the host of the movie. Like, he himself is in makeup. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so, what is he... As the host, does he, like, talk? Because the, like, skeleton host in this doesn't. No, I don't think he talks. I'm not positive, though. I've not seen this movie in about mm, nine years. There you have it, folks. You can quote Gabe on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's hard for me to think but again I haven't seen many anthology films but it's hard for me to like really think of a film that's even similar to this are there any that you can really compare to Creepshow Trick or Treat okay any besides that because Trick or Treat has like the comic book feel and the separate story feel I really can't think of one that has that like that that same kind of feel as Creepshow, other than Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat obviously took a page out of Creepshow's book. If this came out today, do you think it would go on to become a cult hit that it morphed into over time? No. And why not? Because a lot of these anthology movies aren't what Hollywood is trying to do these days. I don't think it'd be promoted the way it should be. A lot of these anthology movies that come out these days come out on Netflix, and they're not really given a second look. Yeah. 
Actually, there was an anthology I saw recently, and it was on Netflix. It was not a Netflix original, and it was pretty bad. It was called XX, and each of the shorts just started out being very promising and then completely failed. And also, and here's one reason, one of the reasons why I, I, I definitely agree with you that I don't think if Creepshow came out now, it would be as popular is because it was there was CG in XX and the CG was not good. You can do good CG, but I think part of what helped this to be so fantastic was the effects. The practical effects. Yeah, and you'd either have to do practical effects, which just aren't as popular anymore in more mainstream films, or you would just have to have a huge budget and do very convincing CG. I did just remember that there is an anthology movie I seen about I saw for the first time about three four years ago that it's really dark as it's not comedic at all it's called All Hallows Eve what happens in this like they have like some kind of um, continuity around it the the surrounding story which is what I like to call it um, what happens around the segments is like there is a babysitter babysitting some kids and they got and it's on Halloween and they rece- receive a VHS tape and they start watching it and it's like fucked up fucked up skits and there's usually always this clown involved Interesting. and they, they recently made a kind of a sequel to All Hallows Eve involving just the clown it was called Terrifier. Okay. And Terrifier was really a terrifying movie. I just looked up the cover art for that, and damn. <laughs> that is frightening. I do not want to see that movie. <laughs> All right. Oh, for Terrifier? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is the stuff of nightmares right there. All right. Me and my fiancé yeah. watched this movie... And she had never seen All Hallows Eve, and she was surprised how much she liked Terrifier, but it is not for the faint of heart. You gotta like horror movies to watch this movie. This is not a starter horror movie. Either one, All Hallows Eve or Terrifier, this is not, this should not be the first horror movie you watch. I mean, I I do enjoy horror movies, and I'm not afraid of clowns per se, but I don't want to watch Terrifier. It's it's actually a good movie. I think you might enjoy it more. Okay, you know what? Gabe knows my taste well, so maybe I'll check it out. Just as long as I don't have to look at that cover art anymore. <laughs> but the other reason I don't think that Creepshow would fare as well is because I think you can build a franchise around this because there's Creepshow, there's and there were uh, two sequels apparently. But I think everything's moving more towards building like some sort of universe and having. Like some standalone films, but then having a lot of continuity within films and right. Easter eggs. But I personally love anthologies like this. I don't think that there are enough, at least enough good ones out there. The other thing is, I would love to see something like this, but with like long, longer films, kind of like what Halloween Three was supposed to be, but have that actually function. If any of these shorts. And Creepshow were expanded into a longer film, which 
if any, do you think would be the most successful as like a full feature? Hmm, this is a very good question. I would either have to say something to tide you over or the crate. Agreed. I, I think those are the two that would function the best as a long form one. Because the one with King just had him in it and it had no other characters, so I guess it's hard to kind of judge off of that. And Father's Day was just very straightforward. I think there's a lot you could do with the crate. Like, giving backstory to, like, the marriage and how Billy became so annoying. Or, I th- or like, have flashbacks to the creature's origin story. I think that would be super cool. And I think something to tide you over would work really well as, like, a long form. Primarily... I mean, there's a lot you can dig into there, but I think Leslie Nielsen is the kind of actor that could just really carry that entire film. Oh, yeah. And he's been in so many feature films that I think I would enjoy watching him in that role for a much longer period of time. Are there any of these shorts that you would cut out and replace with something else? That is a tough one. Because I hold these very close to my heart, Mo. So in my situation, and the way I feel about this movie, I would have to say no. I think that they they go well together. And it's like taking an ingredient out of the sandwich. That's a very solid comparison there. I think the one I'd take out would be they're creeping up on you, but that's just because I really don't like roaches. Right. They're just kind of disgusting. So, aside from that, I don't really have a logical reason for wanting to remove it. I do wish that there had been, like, a little more... The crate had this some, but I wish there had been, like, a little more of, like, a sci-fi horror vibe in one of them. Like, with some kind of, like, mad scientist. Because I think that was definitely something that was in a lot of those old, like, Tales from the Crypt comics. And I think it would have been really neat, especially with... Stephen King's writing abilities and George A. Romero's directional talent. And I think I think the short with King kind of started going in that direction, but I don't think it was like fully fleshed out. Right. So, with that, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to keep talking about Creepshow. It's easier if I just I'll show you, I think. Come on down. What's this? Oh, I found one right in the... Oh, Henry. Did he beat her? Well, how bad is she? Is she conscious? (laughs) It's easier if you just see for yourself, Wilma. laughing about your best friend gets in a scrape with a girl and you're laughing well there's a funny side to it Wilma wait till you see you'll think so yourself you're hysterical Henry it's just what I would have expected 
No, I don't think you'll expect this, Wilma. No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Oh, Dewey, Henry, let go of me! Henry! What's going on? The lamb's the other way. The lamb, yes, but uh, the, the girl is under the stairs, Billy. Uh, where do you see? That, that's what's so funny. The girl has crawled under the stairs, and she won't come out. She's all curled up, you know, like a little baby. Oh, Henry's funny sounds. What did he do to her? Well, you can get her out, Billy. I know you can get her out. Give it a try. You always know how to how to handle these things, Billy. No problem. No trouble. I know you can get her out. Hey guys, we're back, and we are talking about Creepshow. So, who... Let's play a little fantasy casting here. Assuming this were remade, what roles would you replace? Who are some current actors you would put in those roles? Hmm. That's a very, very good question. Nah, I'm usually not very good at this game because I, <laughs> I I love these movies. Sometimes I love these movies so much I don't want to recast them. Um, 
I, I would have to think of for um, the crate. Like I love Adrian Barboa's that character, but to revamp it for today's audience, I would have to find someone who was who, we, who people also find attractive and slight and, and can find annoying. So I would have to choose Emma Roberts. Okay, I can see that working well. I can see that working very well. Uh, I think um, Woody Harrelson would be good as a replacement for Stephen King. I think he would be great in that, like, with the meteorite. Oh, and yeah. Kind of playing, like, the dumb backwoods guy who thinks he's going to get rich from finding a meteorite. I think that Bill Murray would also be good in that role. I think he would be fantastic in that role. One that I struggle to come up with is who would be good as, as the Leslie Nielsen as like Leslie Nielsen's role. It's but hard to top Leslie Nielsen. That's like someone that can't be topped with that role. No, he really can't. And the Father's Day one, that was another one I I was struggling to think. I think maybe replacing some of those characters with like the cast of Downton Abbey or something could be fun. Like make it sort of parodying the British elite as well a little right. bit would be fun but that's one I think I would leave relatively unchanged yeah I think that, that it had a nice nice feel to it I don't think I'd really ch- change anything about Father's Day no I do think it would be neat to see what would have what this movie would have been had Stephen King directed it and done the screenplay yeah. It would have been a much different film. Yeah, but the thing is, is that they wanted to... Because in 1982, they were both still pretty well known, so they wanted a collaborative effort. This was not a King or or ju- just a King or just a Romero effort. They wanted to do something together, which I thought was kind of um, kind of nice. I do like the collaborative spirit that occurred here. So, was this ever... I couldn't find anything about this, but was this ever made into a comic book? I have no idea. Because that's something I would totally read. Oh, yeah. Normally, oftentimes I'm slightly against book to film and then the flip side film to book adaptations, but this is something I think would work very well. So... I'd be interested to read something like that. Because I don't tend to see a lot of kind of comic books like that. Except for, I did read, like, the Ginger Dead Man comic book. (laughs) Ginger (laughs) Dead Man. Starring the one and only Gary Busey. And he's in it for, like, what, five minutes? No. He was, like, really hard to work with. Oh, really? Yeah. Gary Busey, hard to work with? (laughs) Such a surprise, Mo. I uh, learned that from a making of featurette. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a really good graphic novel. So, uh, if you haven't checked that one out, you should check it out. Oh man, I'll make sure to pop by the Bards and Nobles and pick up the Ginger Dead Man graphic novel. Uh, I think you can get the Kindle version. Oh. <laughs> oh. In all seriousness, there is a release of that with a Gary Busey cover on it. 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> I have a buried her in here somewhere. I'll pull it out for, for next time you come over to record. Oh, man. I know you're anxiously recording oh. your next recording episode. Oh, man. I, I, I am <laughs> anticipating it now. So Gary Busey variant covers on comic books. With that, we're going to rate this bad boy. All right. This is your pick. I'll let you go first. All right. This is a movie that I've loved my entire life. This is a movie from my childhood. So I give this movie a 4.5. Okay. Explain the 4.5. There's not a lot I can... Uh, I, with movies I've given high marks, I'll say this. There's not a lot I can pick, up, pick apart from this movie. Um... I can say that the movie, and the reason it didn't get the five, I think the think the movie could uh, fare from a, maybe a remastering, maybe some, maybe a little added touch, maybe a revamp. It, it aged all right. It didn't age the best. Agreed. I, I did think the effects were pretty solid, though. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give this. I'm going to give it a 3.7. I, I thought it was mostly really good. I felt like a few times kind of the humor and some of the darker elements didn't quite match up. And a few of the skits, I, I kind of wish that those sorts had like gone on for a little bit more. For some reason, I, maybe I need to like rewatch it, but I didn't get as into the first short. And it, it just, like, took me a bit to get into it, but the rest of it I thought was great. And I really enjoyed the bookends, because I felt like that gave it some cohesion, because XX, which I mentioned, was an anthology, and it didn't have any sort of cohesion. It was just short, short, short. And then there was nothing, like, tying it together. Uh, this is definitely a movie, I think, that has a lot of replay value. Oh, yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to revisiting it. So... Thanks, thanks, Gabe, for picking that one. All right, it was uh, it was certainly a fun film, and I think that really helps out a lot, and also kind of helps to compensate for, like you were saying, some of the aspects of it which could do with a remastering. So yeah, storytelling was great. This was a solid choice. It's just a good movie. I love this movie, and I only choose movies that I feel would co either cause discussion or that I love. And this was one that you love and that fostered some good discussion. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, and uh, I kind of... It made me a little nostalgic because it made me wish that there were still films like this that were being made. Yeah, unfortunately, um, not a lot of people are making films like this anymore. There are a few out there, but not as much as... There was in the 70s and 80s, unfortunately. Maybe we'll have a renaissance. Maybe. So that's our show for the evening. Thanks again so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you have a chance, check out the iTunes store. Give us a rating. Subscribe. If you want to, go right ahead to our Facebook page and give us a like. And remember, once you go back, you look. You never go back, you